that. Oh boy, we have a doozy for movie number four. Oh, that was dark. That was really, really dark. I'm still reeling from what I just watched. I mean, I don't even know how, where to really start. I saw a lot of people posting about this one back in September when it dropped, and I knew that I was going to have to get around to it since I'm since I'm catching up on all the Shutter stuff that I've missed out on. I was not prepared. This film is sort of a fairy tale version of funny games. But when I say fairy tale, I mean like, you know, Eastern European dark fable, you know, or like Germanic dark fable, dark, gruesome Scandinavian folktale. You know, all children's fairy tales are actually really extreme and insane when you go back to their origins. And I feel like Speak No Evil almost perfectly fits in with one of those. The story itself is exceedingly simple. And I just read, actually, that the director based it on an actual experience that he had with his family, which is, in the story at least, a Danish family. You got Bjorn, Louise, and Agnes. They're traveling through Tuscany, Italy, right? And they're just like having a great time, yada, yada, yada they bump into a Dutch family from Holland. That's Patrick, Karen, and Abel. By the way, Patrick and Karen are married in real life. So they hit it off. They have a great time. There's this whole thing with this bunny rabbit named Ninus that belongs to Agnes, and it goes missing, and, and so Bjorn has to go find it. They meet up with Patrick, Karen, and Abel. They hit it off really well. I mean, they have the best time. They're going out to different restaurants and eating and enjoying themselves. Abel's really quiet. Patrick tells everybody he's a doctor and that the boy is very shy. So Bjorn and Luis and Agnes, they arrive back home and everything's, you know, all is well and whatnot. They had a great trip. And then they get a postcard from Patrick and his family inviting them to come and stay with them at their house. And they live in this sort of isolated place in Holland. It's about an eight hour drive. Now, mind you, here's to where some of the differences come into play. If you spend eight hours driving from point A to point B in America, you're still technically in America. But when you drive eight hours in Europe it's very likely that you could be in another country. And yes, countries are more like states over there. Like it's easier to go from state to state in like the EU. But still, if you're going to another country where they don't speak the same language, you're, you're vulnerable. And so Bjorn and his family decide that it would be rude if they didn't go and visit Patrick and Karen and Abel. So they take the eight hour drive and everything starts out great. They're having a good time. So they're getting ready for dinner. And Patrick, he's prepared this really nice roast. And he's like, hey, Luis, I want you to have the finest bite of the roast. And Luis is kind of like thinking in her head, like, hey, I told you I was a vegetarian. She told him that she was a vegetarian when they were in Tuscany. And yet here he is now seemingly ignoring the fact that she is a vegetarian and offering her some meat. And she politely agrees. And Bjorn is even encouraging her to take a small bite. And this begins, and this begins a very disturbing, slowly accelerating, increasing set of events in which Patrick and Karen 
force their will or whatever they want onto Bjorn and Luis, and Bjorn and Luis politely allow it. We also get some pretty heavy symbolism in that Patrick is a meat eater, cooking roasts, carving up meat, and Luis is a vegetarian. There's like a predator-prey dynamic going on. I want to say that, you know, part of this stems from this sort of European politeness, I guess. There's like, listen, we have a Amer- there's politeness. Culturally, there's all types of politeness wherever you may go. But I feel like in certain European countries, there's like this air of politeness where you don't want to offend the other person. So you become very like agreeable. Already some red flags are starting to be raised here. I mean, I think that, you know, me personally, if that happened to me or that happened to someone, I know that they might be more vocal in their dietary preferences. Um, We also find out the real reason why Abel is quiet is because he is missing his tongue. As Bjorn is taking out the trash, he notices that there's like this shed next to the cabin, the, the, the humble little cabin in which Patrick and Karen live. And he is confronted with Abel, who doesn't say anything. He's just a quiet little boy, and he opens his mouth and reveals that his tongue is missing. Now, why is his tongue missing? We don't know. In the very next scene, Patrick very quickly explains that Abel has like an underdeveloped tongue or something. And the way that it's revealed in the scene, you don't really know. You don't really know what you're looking at. It doesn't look like it's necessarily, I don't know. It does look like it's straight up cut. The filmmaker does a brilliant job of setting up what is to come. And, you know, the music all the way through is just steeped with dread, man. Nothing crazy is really happening apart from like this subtle sort of aggression that that continues to go on where Patrick and Karen are asserting their predatory dominance over the meek Bjorn and Luis. And like I said, there's this music that's sort of, you know, driving everything. It's terrifying. Then we see a scene where Patrick gets really rough with Abel over something super trivial. He's blocked the bottom pathway of the slide and Agnes wants to go down and it's really off-putting. And by the end of the movie, it all makes sense. I'm just going to keep saying, and by the end, blah, 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 blah. So the next night, they're going to go out to eat, and Bjorn and Luis think that Agnes is coming with them, but it seems that Patrick and Karen have hired a babysitter to watch both kids so that the adults can have a night out. This is not discussed with Bjorn or Luis. A strange man shows up. He doesn't speak a language that any of them speak. It's terrifying. And he's not, he's a very unconventional for what you would consider for a babysitter. I can't explain it. It would be weird. So they all go to this local restaurant and there's nobody in the restaurant. There's like one table and they're all sitting at it. And Patrick is speaking in another language, Dutch, and he's ordering for everybody. And Luis is once again bringing up the fact that she's a vegetarian and hey, like, I'm not going to eat any meat, blah, 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 blah. And Patrick brings up the fact that she's actually a pescatarian, which is not really a vegetarian. There's this weird sort of off-putting semantic conversation about how harmful is eating fish versus just eating meat. It's still hazardous to the oceans and the environment, yada, yada, yada. But they're still having a good time. Increasingly, we get to see more of the theme. It becomes a situation of politeness and boundaries and how far you will go in uncomfortable silence 
in order to not make yourself feel uncomfortable by speaking up. It's like there's discomfort in either way, but one is more socially comfortable than maybe the other one is. But, and also kind of, you know, when Patrick is like ordering the food and he's ordering it in Dutch, it becomes kind of scary because you don't really know what is, you don't know what's being said. They don't give you subtitles. The thing is they each speak different languages, right? And they sort of communicate together in English. So English is like the bridge language. But every once in a while, they jump into speaking Dutch and you don't know what's being said. So you're in a foreign country, you don't know what's being said. And this is when I'm starting to get like a Calvaire vibe. Calvaire was a, I think it was a French film that came out in 2004. And it just had that small town folk horror feel to it. And I believe Calvaire means the ordeal. And this is very much an ordeal. If you haven't seen Calvaire, check it out. The other thing that I'm starting to notice is that despite the dread and, you know, all this dealing with boundaries, I almost feel like I'm watching a non-comedic episode of Seinfeld or Curb Enthusiasm because everything is coming down to these little semantic slights. You know what I mean? There's this great little moment where Luis downs a huge gulp of wine, unsure as to what she might be eating. Eventually, it's time to settle up the meal and Bjorn and Patrick go to pay and Patrick basically lets Bjorn pay for the meal. Bjorn thinks they're going to go Dutch. <laughs> Get it? Dutch? Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Sorry. And Patrick sort of engineers a situation where he's letting Bjorn pay. Bjorn doesn't say anything. And that, again, it keeps escalating. This habit of allowing what essentially seems like a narcissist, it's this habit of allowing these things to happen to him. Bjorn allows this stuff to happen to him. And Patrick keeps doing it because he knows he can get away with it. And this is like, you know, just to go into some psychology 101, this is like typical narcissistic, sociopathic behavior, man. I'm going to keep doing the thing and as long as you don't call me out, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to do it shamelessly, and I'm going to push the envelope as far as I can. And it's interesting how one targets the other. It's like the predatory narcissism targets the, the passive victim. I will note, at this point in the movie, nothing horrifying has happened yet, but I am terrified by all of the awkward Seinfeld curb your enthusiasm, non-comedic situations. Usually in those shows, it's funny. There's nothing funny about this. It's just, it's cringe. It's, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable for them. And a part of me wants to like grab Bjorn by his shirt and be like, dude, what are you doing, man? I mean, what the fuck? Here's what is interesting though. They get into the car. Patrick is drunk driving. He's blasting the music way too loud. Louise asks him to politely turn it down. And what happens is anytime that Bjorn or Luis does speak up or is forceful or is aggressive, they back down. Patrick and Karen back down. And there's a good reason why they're backing down. They have a motivation to back down. But it's, again, it's so symbolic of dealing with narcissists. What narcissists will do is they will keep engaging in the behavior unless you directly confront them and call them out. You'll shine a light on their behavior and they'll do two things. One, they'll stop. And two, they'll try to rationalize, justify, and explain and convince you that everything is okay and make you think that maybe you were overreacting and let, so that you can let your guard down so that it can keep happening. 
And the problem with narcissistic relationships is that you enter into them not knowing that they are narcissistic. And by the time you realize that they're narcissistic, it is far too late. They already have their hooks in you mentally, emotionally, and it's very hard to break off, especially if you don't think that you're in danger. What's really interesting about Patrick's actions is that they're almost kind of like a meditation on the insidious cruelty that occurs via passive aggressiveness, via being a narcissist, if that makes any sense. There's a really creepy scene where Luis is taking a shower and someone walks in, and we're not sure if it's Bjorn or Patrick, and we don't ever find out the answer. Uh, someone comes in to take a piss. Although later, I guess I would, after when I think about a scene that happens a little bit later, it absolutely was Patrick, because he did the same thing to Bjorn when he was brushing his teeth. It's like with every scene, Patrick and Karen are slowly breaking Bjorn and Louise down, breaking down any sort of boundaries between them so that they can do what it is that they want to do to their victims. Louise wants to leave after the shower incident, and Bjorn's like, no, 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 come on, we have a day and a half left, let's just stay, and he convinces her to stay, and then they start having sex, and then Agnes, who's scared, she's knocking on the door. She's like, hey, can I sleep with you guys? And they're like, oh, my God, we're in, literally in the middle of getting it in. So they ignore their daughter and pass out. And then in the middle of the night, Louise gets up. She goes and she finds Agnes in bed with Karen and Patrick. And Patrick, he's like asleep and his bare ass is sticking out. Super inappropriate. So completely, totally inappropriate. She picks up the girl and they take off in the middle of the night. She's like, we got to get out of here. So they take off in the middle of the night. And as they're leaving, the friggin' stuffed bunny rabbit, the one that started it all, Nina's the bunny rabbit, who's so representative of this family of bunny rabbits, is missing. They go back to the house to get the bunny rabbit because of the little girl, because of Agnes. If Agnes just didn't need the goddamn bunny rabbit... Leave the bunny rabbit in the box. As it turns out, the bunny rabbit was actually under the seat the whole time. But by then, they've already come back to the house. And Bjorn and Patrick have to have this long talk. And you have no idea. I have no idea how Patrick is going to react at all. And I am my, I'm biting my nails in anticipation of what he's possibly going to say. They have a very calm sort of hashing out of the issues. Patrick confronts him. He's like, why did you guys leave? And he's like, so... He feels so hurt and offended, as does Karen. They, they were, like, shocked that they left without saying goodbye. Of course, being completely aloof to any of the sadistic, narcissistic, sociopathic behavior that they have been exhibiting. It's like an insidious, subtle asserting of dominance. In a way, this is, here's a hot take, in a way... What's happening to Bjorn and Luis is very similar to what happens to the main character in the movie Smile, movie number one that we watched. Really great film. The entity that's breaking down the defenses of its victim, of its host, it's the same thing. They are breaking down the defenses one by one, weakening them to a, the point where they just don't, they just are paralyzed in, in action. Oh. This confrontation comes like at the halfway point of the movie. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, it's all, this was all a buildup and it's going to come crashing down, but not quite. It keeps building. Karen responds with all sorts of explanations and apologies for their behavior. And she has a rationalization and justification for everything, like a good narcissist does. 
And, you know, I know this word is hated by so many people. It's almost like become the new woke, how woke is hated. Gaslighting. Gaslighting is like a relatively, you know, uh, it's it's chic. It's in vogue in the moment. Everybody's talking about gaslighting. But it is. It's a thing that's always existed. And basically the way it works is, you know, through through a changing of behavior, profusely apologizing and justifying and rationalizing actions, what the narcissist does is sort of trick their victim into thinking that they overreacted and that it's not such a big deal and that they that it's acceptable to tolerate this kind of behavior. And so we enter the honeymoon period again, or I should say a second honeymoon, however brief it might be. blown away that somehow they convinced them to stay. And mind you, they have every reason to roll over on their bellies. They need that to happen. Karen and Patrick have learned that the best victims are voluntary ones, ones that will stay of their own will as opposed to having to be actively apprehended. So they have a nice day and the kids are playing Blah, blah, blah. Patrick and Bjorn have a sort of bonding session. They go out to this like place where they scream their heads off. And this place is like a, I don't know. It's like a, it's not a reservoir. It's a, it's a quarry. It's like a rock quarry or something. And, you know, it's kind of crazy that Patrick brings him here, but I'll, I'll, we'll circle back to that at the end. The wives are, are doing some gardening and there's a mention of some dull, rusted shears that, again, will come into play later on. Louise ends up cutting herself in the kitchen, and Bjorn is waiting for Patrick to jump into action because he's a doctor. He said he was a doctor. And Patrick just stands there, like, you know, with this stupid smile on his face, not helping Louise, who's gushing blood. And he does jump into action, but, you know, admits that he's not actually a doctor, that it's a lie that he makes up to uh, impress people because he feels very insecure. Another great play out of the Narcissist Handbook. In fact, Patrick admits that he doesn't work and that he's never worked, that he's unemployed, that he doesn't believe in working. And this sort of foreshadows motivations of what's to come, as it's not exactly true. Patrick and Karen do plenty of work. So they're setting the table and Karen starts to order Agnes around. She's like, go set the table, which is a little weird. You don't tell someone else's kid to go do so. I guess you can. 
I don't know. It really depends on the situation. It depends what you're asking and how you're asking. You know, asking a kid, hey, could you go set the table? I guess that's not so weird. But then she's like correcting her. She's not putting, Agnes wasn't putting the silverware down in the right order. And Luis notices this and she's like, what the hell? Like she's like starting to get really annoyed. And then they're sitting at the table and everybody's having some conversation. Everything's good, blah, 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 blah. And Karen keeps talking to Agnes. She's talking to her in another language, Dutch, I guess. And Luis is going, hey, stop talking to my daughter like that. Stop ordering her around. And Karen's like, yo, you just, yo, calm down, relax. And Patrick, without saying a word, he takes the wine and he pours her the tallest glass of wine ever as if to say, hey, you need to chill out. Meanwhile, he's maniacally going on about Dutch cheese and how Dutch cheese should be respected in the same way that French and Italian cheese are respected. So after the meal, the two kids, they want to put on a dance for the adults. So Abel and Agnes, they're dressed up and they're doing this dance. And Abel, he's just, he's washing out, man. He's He doesn't have rhythm. He's not keeping up with the dance moves. Patrick gets really nasty and really abusive when he sees that Abel is not cutting the mustard. He throws a glass at him. All sorts of stuff happens. And Bjorn is beside himself. He's like freaking out. Like He's like, you can't talk to your kid this way. It's so wrong, blah, blah, blah. And it really just sort of puts a very sour damper on things. That night when Bjorn is brushing his teeth, Patrick comes into the bathroom and takes a piss. And again, it's it's almost like a predator asserting his dominance. That's what it is, man. It's like symbolically, like like he's like a wolf like marking his territory. He does it when Luis is in the bathroom taking a shower and he does it when Bjorn is brushing his teeth. Then in the middle of the night, Bjorn wakes up and he hears some like really abusive yelling coming from Patrick towards Abel. We don't know what the hell is going on. The TV is blaring and Bjorn gets up, he goes, he turns off the TV and he goes out to that shed where he first finds out that Abel had his tongue missing and he goes into the shed, suddenly everything becomes crystal clear. It's just like that scene in the Hills Have Eyes remake when the dude is walking around and he's seeing all of the tourists that have come through the hills that have eyes and left behind all of their possessions. There are just cameras and suitcases and all sorts of junk. A lot of people have come through here and a lot of people probably never came out. And then he goes upstairs to this weird sort of like picture museum and the pictures well they say a thousand words okay these pictures they tell a story of what's happened here over and over and over again it's sort of a museum and a mausoleum of all of the postcards because at the very beginning of the movie they all take a group picture together and that picture becomes the postcard that they send to Bjorn and invite the family out to stay and now we see that this is the mo of Patrick and Karen and that they have done this literally hundreds of times. Hundreds with an H, hundreds of times. And it's them in every single photo with a different family and they have a different child and they're not able. And then he sees the photo that has Abel's family and they have a daughter instead of Abel, kind of foreshadowing what is to come. And that's when the first most disturbing thing that I think I'm gonna see happens. Bjorn goes out to the little pool area that they have and discovers that Abel has been drowned. He's face down in the pool. And that's what kind of movie this is. Funny Games? Holy crap. Funny Games has nothing on this movie, man. 
it's like, how could you make something even darker than funny games? Boom, here you go. And now we know exactly what's going to happen, the cycle, that Agnes is going to become the new Abel, which means she's probably going to have her tongue cut out. When Bjorn sees Abel is lying face down in the water and sees all the photos upstairs, he it's very easy to put two and two together. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's going to happen to his family. And every single time they've tried to leave, they've always had some reason to stay. But now he doesn't need any more evidence that he better get the fuck out of there before his whole family dies. And so Bjorn goes and gets his family. They jump in the car and take off. And of course, as he turns on the engine, we can see very clearly that he has no gas, which means that they have to stop. And so begins a very small sort of cat and mouse thing with another car that's trailing behind him. We don't know. It could be Patrick. It could be that other fellow who doesn't speak any English. I can't pronounce his name. The guy who, the baby, we'll call him the babysitter. Eventually, the car winds up getting stuck and Bjorn leaves his family to go search for help, I guess. And while that's happening, Patrick goes and comes to the family. They don't know anything because Bjorn didn't say anything. So they don't know how much danger they're in. And they're in the car with Patrick and Karen. And that's when Luis asks, who's with Abel? And of course, we know that Abel is floating face down in a pool. But Karen lies and says, oh, you know, oh yeah, the babysitter, He uh, he's with them. And it's like she's not even trying to lie anymore. She's not putting any energy or effort into her lies because she knows that the charade is almost over. And now they're just driving and they're taking a really long time. They've clearly taken some sort of detour. They're not going back to the house. Agnes begins to see that something's wrong. And Bjorn doesn't say anything. Tears well up in his eyes, but he's paralyzed. He can't friggin' move. He does say to Patrick before he gets into the car, which contains his family, by the way, he says please don't hurt us. Please just let us go. And Patrick says, just do what I say and everything will be okay. Which is obviously a lie like all the rest because Patrick lies to get whatever he wants. So eventually everybody starts to realize something is wrong except for Luis. We know, Bjorn knows what's wrong. Karen obviously knows what's going to happen. Patrick knows what's going to happen. Agnes starts to feel scared. She's not really sure what's happening, but she's scared. And she says, I'm scared. And Luis is trying to calm her down. She's asking questions. Karen tells her to shut up. Patrick tells her to shut up. Even Bjorn says, just do what he says. We got to take a moment to talk about Bjorn and his actions and what he does despite having the knowledge that he has. It's infuriating. As a father, as a father with two children, it infuriates me. But Bjorn does nothing. He allows himself to be a scared little rabbit in the presence of two wolves who are going, we're not going to hurt you, just come with us. But the reality is they're not just rabbits, they're lambs, they're lambs to slaughter. So they they come to a stop and Patrick does probably the scariest thing that he's done up to this point, truly. And that includes Abel lying face down a pool, which is obviously the most monstrous thing ever. But this seemingly subtle action chilled me to the bone. He flashes his high beams and somebody flashes back. And suddenly I feel like we're in Hostel 3.5 in the sense of like, here is this planned thing. The Again, this family has no idea. They are literally being led to slaughter. They are sitting ducks. And of course, who appears? It's the babysitter. And he tries to wrestle Louise from Agnes. 
Karen produces those shears that we were talking about, the the dull shears, and along with Patrick, they cut out Agnes's tongue to make her the new Abel. And I'm dying. Bjorn, he throws up everywhere and does nothing. Literally does nothing. I mean, he like kind of grabs at Patrick. Patrick, I think, stabs him a little bit or punches him, but he does nothing. He does nothing as they take his child. And it's at this point where I just don't care what happens to Bjorn anymore for allowing himself to let them do that to his child. If Bjorn was not able to fight back or if Bjorn was going to lose his life, then at least lose your life trying to save your child and not lose your life because you're too afraid of what's coming. Maybe that's too harsh. Maybe it's easy to say that from an armchair, but it's your kids, man. It's your fucking kids. It's just, it's, it's infuriating. I mean, I was infuriated. To watch this. So Agnes has her tongue removed and she drives away with the babysitter who's clearly he's in on this whole thing. And they that's how they make their money. And the reason why Karen and Patrick are so agreeable is because they simply need them to say so they could do this little procedure that they do. I suppose it's easier to commit these heinous acts on unsuspecting people if you have to spend energy subduing them as opposed to dealing with people who don't know what's coming, it's going to be a lot harder. Like the cows going into the slaughterhouse that don't know that they're about to be killed. Although that's not exactly true. They are very aware. The cows know when they get to that area and they start freaking out. And that kind of happens here. But the amount of paralyzed fear that Bjorn feels, it just, I hate it. I hate seeing that in him. It's funny when they were at the quarry and he's talking about how he sort of opens up to Patrick and talks about how he feels so subdued and just like always like keeping all of his feelings and emotions inside, unable to express himself. And Patrick's probably he's licking his lips. That's exactly what he wants to hear because he knows that this guy is going to let him do whatever he wants to do to him. So they go. So they re- so they drive. So Agnes is gone now. The two couples drive to the rock quarry and they get out of the car. And we know, listen, if you go to some abandoned place, you know what's up. You know what's about to happen. You're about to die. And they still do nothing. They just they just have accepted their fate. What's, what's just absolutely fascinating and amazing about the whole situation, up to this point, Patrick and Karen, they don't have a gun. They don't have a knife. They don't have any sort of leverage, really, apart from having the, I guess you could say they had her daughter, but they simply order them to do these things and they follow through. Bjorn sums up the whole movie with a simple question that is answered just as simply. It also, it perfectly surmises the theme that we've been discussing, as well as some of the motivation. Frankly, the only motivation we really need. We don't need to know anything else. Here's a lazy dude. Here is a dude who doesn't believe in work and doesn't want to work and would rather prey on other people. So Bjorn asks, why are you doing this? And the answer that Patrick gives is so true and so simple and so obvious. It's the answer that allows all narcissists and sociopaths to do what they do. He simply answers, because you let me. And then he says, take off your clothes. And they do. What do you think's going to happen when you take off your clothes in a rock quarry in the middle of the friggin' night? 
they're shivering as they do it. I mean, it is just, it puts such a pit in your stomach. It's so raw and visceral. It feels so real. So many people have actually spent their last moments on Earth in this way. This is how real people have met their end. Frankly, I hate to say this, but I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't. I almost feel like this is a statement about the Holocaust and how, and that this is what the director thinks of the interactions between the Jews and the Nazis. It's hard not to get to this point in the movie and watch them strip and think about all of the people that wound up in the gas chamber who stripped. But in that situation, they were dead either way. I mean, again, why are they doing this? Why are they stripping down? Why are they getting naked? Patrick doesn't have a gun. Karen doesn't have a gun. It's two on two, and yet still they comply. So Bjorn and Louise, they sort of, they go down, they slink down into, I don't know, the ravine, the whatever it is, the ditch that they're, it's like a, it's like an old, it's a ginormous ditch, like where there used to be water. Now there's like just a little bit of water and they just stand there and Patrick and Karen, they don't say anything. And all of a sudden, you know, they kind of like embrace each other, Bjorn and Luis embrace each other. All of a sudden rocks, giant rocks. I mean, not giant rocks, rocks about this size, just start getting hurled at them. They get stoned to death. I mean, of all the, in, just, oh my God. They just stood there and got stoned to death. And you know, it's like, again, obviously there is a lot that's being said here. There's a lot that's historically being said here. They're trying to, the filmmaker is trying to say something about past historical events. And I don't quite agree with his viewpoint on things, but I don't want to make this video about that. And I don't agree. It's a little offensive. I mean, they literally stone them like they're rabbits, like they're throwing stones at rabbits. Oh, ah. I understand why they choose to do this instead of using guns or knives by having them go into like the ditch. There's no footprints. There's no, they're not wearing any clothes and they're throwing rocks. There's no footprints from the perpetrators. There's no fingerprints on the stones. And they've done this hundreds of times. That's what they do. And then they just leave the bodies there. And Bjorn and Luis, they're kind of like laid out. Their bodies are bruised and bloodied from the stones. And they're sort of laid out. One could say again, lambs to slaughter. Maybe there's like some Christ-like analogy there too of like turning the other cheek. I don't know, maybe not. What's interesting is they sort of look like the opposite reflection of one of those like frescas on the 16th chapel. They're like lying in these like sort of like godly angel-like poses that you always see like the Renaissance painters put people in. Except this is like the inverse of that. It's like they're down in the mud. And then it, we cut to, we see Karen and Patrick driving and Agnes is in the back. She's got Ninus, the rabbit, and they're already looking for a new victim. And you'll notice that one of the families that's sitting at a picnic table in like a rest stop area where they're like kind of, I guess, casing the place, the little boy has little skulls on his shirt as if to signify that he is marked next because... 
The thing is that what the movie is telling us, we saw what happened to Abel, so we know what's going to happen to Agnes eventually. Also worth noting that Abel is named Abel. His abductive father figure, Patrick, stoned Agnes's parents to death. There's some, there's some stuff there. There's some stuff there. Tongues cut out. Speak no evil. Get it? Ooh, this was a dark one. We, I had to go beat by beat. We had to like hash this through and talk about it. I had to get that out. Wow. Oh my lord. That was, that was a lot. That was a lot. Okay. We need to cleanse the palate with something else. That's for sure. Definitely check out this film. Streaming on Shutter. Shutter original. It's worth it. Well, I mean, I just spoiled the whole movie. So hopefully you've seen it already. 